0: Hello and welcome back to Season 2 of the Faith in Development podcast brought to you by TearFund. I am Sabine Husi, your host for this conversation. In the last episode, TearFund Gender and Protection Unit members shared their motivation for working on issues of gender equality and addressing sexual and gender-based violence. Today, our conversation continues as we delve deeper into some of the challenges we face doing this work and the joy and hope we find in our work. Maybe we can briefly talk about some of the challenges that we have faced or that we see in, um, in our work. For me, I think, you know, if we look at the statistics that we have around violence against women... So we know that one in three women will experience violence in the course of their lives. And we know that over 200, an estimated 200 million women and girls aged between 15 and 49 have gone through female genital mutilation or cutting. So when we, we look at these statistics, you know, you, you, you just wonder what it is that you, what, what can we do, right? It is staggering. It's a, it's a, you you, you feel almost helpless That has been one of the challenge um, for me, that as we do this work, are these statistics coming down? You know, are we really making an impact? But at the same time, when I hear some of the stories and the countries where we work and the projects that we're part of, when I hear stories of of impact and change, that that gives me hope. So that sort of sense of there's nothing we can do, you know, it, it completely disappears because there's something that is happening somewhere. Uh, We're seeing women who are speaking out. We're seeing men who are being challenged internally about their attitudes and are also willing and are humble to come forward and actually say, you know, I'm willing to change. So that gives me hope. So I wonder if there is uh, any challenges that you you have seen and think this is not working and maybe sort of came through and said, okay, uh, maybe there's something actually that is happening. Can I start with you, Frankie?
1: yeah um thanks um Sabine yeah I, I know what you mean when you when you look at the statistics you just feel a bit overwhelmed and especially you know i I think we're probably all pretty aware that with the COVID-19 pandemic it's a combination right of increased violence but also a greater awareness of it so some of it was there and some of it increased and so that kind of makes you think gosh you know, are we kind of like climbing a mountain that keeps growing? Um, and that can be definitely disparate. I think the scale of it and the global nature of sexually gender-based violence, it's not just in one place, but it's pervasive and um, it's everywhere. And like, there's all these different, what we might think of as expressions of it, different forms of violence, like you mentioned, female genital mutilation, early marriage, intimate partner violence, all the many different types of sexually based violence can feel quite overwhelming. But I guess in that, I think it's possible also to find hope. So I think, you know, if we think about this, this root issue of gender inequality, this fundamental belief that men and women aren't equal and how that perpetuates a lot of these issues, then when we see that shifting, I think there's a hope for that, that deeper level change. And I think the work that we've been doing and um Uwezo, you alluded to this as well, you know, when... Community members, when there's change in their lives, when faith leaders really change, when faith institutions that we see denominations looking at masculinities or looking at gender inequality in the Bible in a different way, and that there's a possibility for that to be embedded, you know, in teaching and in seminaries, and for that to then become a new way of thinking and teaching and living out faith, then the possibility, you know, even though the scale is great, the possibility for catalyzing change is also great and we get to interact with people and meet with people who become incredible advocates and champions and are taking this into all different spheres of society and so you know that gives you hope and um, thinking about the the work in Rwanda almost because of the scale that was revealed through COVID-19 church leaders were like desperate to to find something to respond they wanted to be able to respond to these situations and it almost exposed the issues which were otherwise had been hidden in such a way that people were you know more ready to address it men and women and faith leaders across the community so I think in that way that there is still that hope to see that fundamental shift and change and you know getting to hear those stories getting to meet people through workshops or trainings and hearing about those changes in their personal lives and in the communities um, in the congregations that they lead that's yeah that's what gives me hope. I think
0: it is the stories, isn't it? It is the stories that we hear um, and that we have the privilege to be part of that really gives us, yeah, an indication that there is is hope and that really God is at work, even if we're not necessarily seeing it every day, but he's at work. Um, If I may come to you, Uezo, are are there any challenges that you see and and where do you see hope?
2: Great, thanks Sabine. Uh... Challenges are too many, but I'm going to share about maybe two. Our approach is most uh, preventive approach and, uh, you know, the response is not there. The holistic response is not there, especially in different contexts we are working in. You know, sometimes we are working in remote villages where there is no other actors who can uh, support or who can co- contribute to the work we are doing because we are working on the preventive aspect. And uh, for us, this is the main challenge we are facing because after mobilizing community members, you know, after sensitizing community members, they want to go. You know, as we can find among them those who have been raped, can find victims among them, and they need support. They need to to be taken uh, care of, but sometimes we are not uh, having this uh, service for them. And uh, the other challenge is, you know, uh, community members are using it as uh, volunteers. Some of them can drop out, for example, after being trained, they can be displaced from the community they are living in. And this, it's sometimes contributing to bring back the speed we had for the work.
0: Thank you, Wiesel. Um, So if I may come to to Solange, I think you have alluded to the hope earlier in the conversation, but is there, you know, in the work that you that you do, some of the challenges that you face, do you see any glimpse of, of hope there anymore uh, of
3: that hope? Yeah, there is a, a, a big package of challenges, but the key out of all those many, is the judicial services to survivors. Whenever we talk about the statistics of case reported or unreported, even those reported, There are no final, there is no end to it, no justice. This is a key at the community level where survivors are like hopeless at this time. They they are really being pushed back to where they are coming from because of the lack of judicial systems and justice not being really looking into their needs. Their hope comes from the courage and the strength survivors are putting up to keep going on a daily basis thank you no
0: that that is true that that bit about the the, the courage of survivors i think that is a um, that is a thing that gives us all hope that we can be part of that story as well uh, nina can you share with us uh, some of these challenges that you might have faced in your area of work as well and where you see hope
4: there are different, um, actually different and multiple challenges in the humanitarian sector, but I, I think one of them is about participation, meaningful and substantive participation. So the participation of people who are at risk, especially women, or the absence of it, is an indicator for a gender analysis or even a context analysis, which is often the basis for us to map the protection needs in a given community that was affected by a certain crisis. So that's that's one. And then the other thing is that I think within the sector itself, gender and protection are not taken as seriously as other humanitarian sectors. So it is still a field which is still very much informed by power, including the remnants of colonialism and racism. And there are instances when I also felt that gender and protection staff are, and and I'm talking about this in general, are being consulted, quote, unquote, just so it can be said that, let's say, an initiative went through our lenses. And sometimes we are also boxed within safeguarding. So we are understood as safeguarding people, even though there's a lot of work that, um, that, that are in store in, in gender and protection so I think um, there are challenges and there are also opportunities the challenges lie in a few areas which you know have been have been advocated for for decades. So for example, special measures or even recognizing care work. So special measures meaning that we go the extra mile, especially when we are dealing with people who are at risk, people who may not have the conditions to participate in a given community. So for example, accompaniment or even um, going really to these um, communities in order to impart critical and correct and complete information on let's say gender-based violence services or even what gender-based violence means. So, So these special measures should really be a part of everything that we do because it's not just about delivering services or it's not just about making an analysis out of a certain situation but I think without us facilitating the conditions in order for us to get the correct data or without us facilitating the conditions in order for us to talk to the, to the people who are really um, in need of interventions, then I think it will really have an impact in the quality of our work. The other thing is about um, recognizing care work. So I think this is really important for us Again, it's about creating the conditions for people to participate and for people to access protection. So for care work, unless we advocate really for the redistribution of care work, especially in emergency situations, it will be very difficult, especially for women to get out of the household and explore other opportunities outside of the household, which in turn you know, enables them to be more resilient to shocks, and be able to protect themselves and their families, and even be part of a bigger movement. Because sometimes, unless they are deluded from some of these care work responsibilities, they wouldn't be able to join other women or other groups in the communities in organizing themselves, creating some of the services that can be locally available. So I think, you know, the, the, the local services, these are the opportunities that we need to harness as we create those conditions for people to participate and engage in any crisis situations that they are in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, um, Ina.
0: Uh, Luke, uh, lastly, um, I know that you've worked and various projects in Nigeria and, uh, and around the DRC. So where do you see challenges and, and, and hope?
5: Yeah, I think, um, I've been thinking about this a lot recently and I think projects and programs, I mean, they're hard to implement and they're hard to do, but they're actually very easy compared to the challenge of transforming yourself. And so for me, I think the biggest challenge, and I see this in my own relationships with people, there's so far to go for all of us and so it's that personal transformation that I think is a challenge but on the flip side um the flip side to everything that's the biggest hope that I see is that these statistics aren't just out there you know in the universe somewhere they're the they're the actions of people and the more we can show people and and begin to change people's understanding, which starts with ourselves. Those statistics just start changing. And so I'm encouraged that you know, transforming masculinities and the work that we're doing is about that personal change. And you know, in, in this work, I am so encouraged by the people that we meet. And you can just see that there there's passion and there is a desire for change. And so it's gonna take a long time and we know that it's been years in the making but I'm excited and I, you know, I think particularly those who are Bible believing, who who know God's heart and want to follow his heart um, and to and to follow what he wants will understand that he he just wants to see an end to gender-based violence. And when we understand that, those statistics change. And so yeah, it's a challenge, but it's it's also hopeful. I think it starts with us, but yeah, it, it will happen. And that's that's for me the challenge and the hope
0: thank you very much and 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 just maybe following on from that i think uh, when i look at uh, the journey so far how we've come as a as an organization as a team uh, working on sexual and gender-based violence i i have tremendous hope because we have had evidence that change can happen and i'm really looking forward to to the sort of next journey for us the next three years as we think about what it is that tier fund can do how can we Um, work with other faith-based organizations to respond to sexual and gender-based violence. How can we share our learning on various platforms? But I'm also you know, my, my other hope is that we can do this work on a bigger scale as well, right? So we have done some of that work in, in different countries, but we want to do more of that because we have seen the evidence, especially around transfer masculinities and how lives have been able to change. And we want to also keep innovating. Uh, we'll keep looking for other area of work and, and just really new ways of supporting marginalized and underserved groups. So that is my hope. And thank you very much team for this conversation it's just been great to to even sit together and and reflect together um, on this i know sometimes we do it as part of team meetings etc but i think it's just been nice to be together and, and and just have this conversation thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed the conversation our next episode will focus on the journey to healing, which is Tierfund approach to working with survivors. We will be in conversation with a very special lady called Esperande, who will share with us her experience of the journey to healing process. In the meantime, please head to learn.tierfund.org to find out more about our work. See you next time.